and welcome back to another episode of Loss of Down. I am your host, Stephen Weed, and not really joining me today is Mr. Walter Lukashensky. So this week's going to be a little bit different. Walter is stuck up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, planning to go to Vegas here on Thursday. So we're going to record this episode a little bit different. Meanwhile, I have handpicked the games that we wanted to cover here. Spent about 20 minutes each, run through some bets for you. I have a little bit shortened of the episode, but nonetheless, still going to be fun, even though he's not here with me. So, Wally, good luck, good luck gambling here on Thursday, bud, and can't wait to hear the stories here on Monday morning once you're a little bit more sobered up. So, I'll dive right into it. Obviously, week five was one that's scratching your heads. We had a, we had a coach being fired. We had some games go ways that we were not really expecting, unless you listen to our picks. We were guiding you in the right direction. So we're going to start it off. My first game I have here is the Falcons losing yet again to the Carolina Panthers, dropping to 0-5 on the season, and finally firing Dan Quinn as well as Thomas Dimitrov, their GM. Thank goodness it was maybe about three or four games too late, but they finally had it. Matt Ryan not really looking that great, 21 of 37, 226 and one interception. And Todd Gurley... 14 touches for 121 and a touchdown looking great. But the real real story here is Teddy Bridgewater coming alive yet again. Another game without Christian McCaffrey. 27 of 37 for 313. Couple touchdowns out of there. But Mike Davis, the man who is backing up said CMC, 16 carries for 89 yards. So he's not doing too bad with a 5.6 average. The real question is, is Teddy Bridgewater that quarterback that they are looking for in Carolina, and he seems to be doing well. He's won three straight since CMC went out, leading the pack. So Teddy Bridgewater, it's going to be an interesting. And this this game, putting Carolina at 3-2 and two for the season, the NFC South is looking very interesting, way more interesting than I thought it was going to be. I had Atlanta at 11-5, so unless they rally off 11 in a row after firing their head coach and GM, I might as well just put my foot in my mouth now and just everyone can make fun of me for – the next few months until they go probably two and 14. But what they need to do in Atlanta, get rid of Matt Ryan. You have to ship off Julio Jones. Keep Calvin Ridley. Let some of these offensive linemen that you've spent first round picks on, let them walk, get them trade, get them traded away, get some value out of them. It is just time to clean house. Best of luck for either Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, whoever will eventually go to this team. But Matt Ryan I don't know if this is really a hot take, but my prediction is Matt Ryan is going to go to Indianapolis Colts. Phillip Rivers is on a one-year deal. He's going to be gone after this, clearly. He's not really – his age is showing. Matt Ryan's still got some gas left in the tank. Take him up to arguably the best O-line in the league, at least top three. Have a couple receivers. Have a great running game there, as well as a top three defense. So Matt Ryan needs to go there. Hell, pair him up with Julio Jones there. I'd love to see that, but you got to clean house. Julio Jones, you got to get that man somewhere where he can compete for a championship, maybe get a lead in the Super Bowl and keep it. Hell, call me crazy. That's all I'm calling for. The next game that I am covering for you guys, Baltimore Ravens. Molly whopping the Cincinnati Bengals 27-3. Baltimore putting a couple games here together after losing to Kansas City, a.k.a. their kryptonite. And Joey Burrow. Has his consecutive games of 300 passing yards snapped with only 183 yards. The biggest thing here, Baltimore's defense, especially their front seven. You know, they they have a top five rushing defense. 
Then they go after the quarterback, and that front seven sacked Joe Burrow seven times for 48 yards long, as well as contained Joe Mixon to only 59 yards when he absolutely went off last week for three touchdowns. So there's definitely some questions there. Maybe Cincinnati, maybe we should kind of pump the brakes there a little bit. I mean, it is Baltimore. Baltimore's looking great. They definitely had the kick in their ass they needed in Kansas in that Kansas City loss. Lamar Jackson, only 19 of 37 for 180 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. So it's not like Baltimore put together this amazing offensive game. Just all aspects of it, offense, defense, as well as special teams. They just played a complete game, put up 27 and got the win over Cincinnati. Baltimore's looking a little bit well-versed than the Kansas City Chiefs right now, which Wally's going to get to because his Raiders got a big W at Arrowhead. So maybe uh, maybe Baltimore is that number one in the AFC spot right now. So they are definitely going to be someone that we need to watch out for. Hopping on to our next game here. The Texans, led by Romeo Cornell right now, gets their first win from the Bill O'Brien firing against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, whoop de freaking do He beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. Everyone else did that except for the Colts, so I'm not really too surprised. Deshaun Watson putting up a performance of 25 of 35 for 359 yards. Three touchdowns, did have two interceptions. David Johnson also helping on the ground here with 96 rushing yards on 17 carries. No touchdowns. So Houston putting up a nice game, but Brandon Cooks with eight receptions for 161 and a touchdown. Will Fuller also adding a touchdown as well as their tight end Darren Fells. So Houston put in a nice offensive game after seeing seeming pretty much lackluster their first four games of the season. Looks like Romeo Cornell had those boys ready, and I'm very interested to see how this team is going to form over these next few weeks with the head coach just being an interim right now. There's going to be a lot of chatter of them maybe staying in-house with Romeo Cornell. Maybe they'll go out, get someone else. So it's going to be interesting to see how this Texan team is going to play underneath Romeo Cornell. He obviously has a ton of respect from coaches and players around the league. So I'm interested. I'm still sticking with the Texans to win that division. They're going to go on a little bit of a four to five game winning streak. Just call it right now. Just let me know. Feel free to text me and say, wow, Steven, you're a fucking genius. I should have seen this coming just like you did. I'll, I'll be waiting for those texts here in a couple weeks. But moving on to the next one, Dallas Cowboys barely, barely getting away from the New York the New York Giants. They went down to them 14-3 in the first quarter, but Dallas kind of turned it on a little bit. But the big story coming out of this is Dakota Prescott going down with an ankle injury. He's going to be out for the next four to six months on that. So there is a big, gloomy cloud in Dallas. Dak went in the game 14-21 with 166 yards, zero touchdown. And here comes the red rifle, Andy Dalton. Wally's boy. He loves him some Andy Dalton. Don't know why, but he loves him. But Andy Dalton coming in with a nice 9 for 11, 111 yards, zero touchdowns or interceptions. That's a 10-yard average. Zeke Elliott was doing what Zeke does best. 19 touches on nine for 91 yards and two touchdowns. Even adding a reception for 14 yards as well. And C.D. Lamb, the, the rookie, having a game, eight receptions for 124 yards. And this counterpart, the wide receiver for uh, the New York Giants, Darius Slayton, for eight receptions for 129 yards. So Daniel Jones slinging the ball a little bit. No touchdowns on his end, but... Like I, like I was referring to, the big question mark here is Dak Prescott going down with a gruesome ankle injury. Rolled up on, looks like he rolled up on himself there almost. 
But Dak Prescott going to be out here for the season. Which brings us to the next question. We have a couple here, actually. So we have Dak Prescott, who's looking for a contract, but was never able to get it, stuck on the franchise tag, goes and breaks his ankle for this. This is the exact reason these players hold out. This is why you saw Earl Thomas flipping off Pete Carroll and the Seahawks sideline when he broke his leg because of contract disputes. These are the reasons these players hold out. Because they're, they're putting their body on the line every single Sunday for our entertainment because we're a bunch of heathens who like to watch grown men run into each other for an hour, maybe even more if there's overtime. That's all we pray because, once again, we're heathens. We want to see more. We just want to see a bloodbath. And this is what's going to happen. So feel bad for Dak. He's going to come back. I don't know if this makes his argument stronger to be resigned, but I'm expecting Dak to be back as the Cowboys started here next year. I mean, he was on pace for a great great season passing wise he already broke the four game the first four game stretch of most passing yards that was placed by peyton manning at one point now owned by dakota prescott now andy Dalton, he could be he's playing for his career right now so andy Dalton's going to have a lot to prove with a very banged up offensive line but you have zeke elliott and arguably the most amount of weapons he's ever had in his whole career all he had was aj green i don't even know who else i can name on that roster that he's had so he has a loaded, loaded receiving core between C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, and, of course, Amari Cooper. So that's going to be very interesting to see. And you know what? Hell, I'm rooting for the Red Rifle down there. I know they're playing for the Dallas Cowboys. We all hate. I don't like Mike McCarthy, their head coach. But you know what? I'll just give it to Andy. He's not playing for the Cincinnati Bungles anymore, so I could care less. So I hope I hope the best for Andy Dalton. Obviously, a speedy recovery for Mr. Dakota Prescott. And the next game that we're going to, Seahawks down 13 nothing at halftime to the Minnesota Vikings. They do what they do best, come back. Trust me, I've seen them do it a couple times against my team, the Green Bay Packers. They came back and won absolute thriller, 27-26. Russ, 20 of 32 for 217 and three touchdowns. This man is still on fire. MVP for Russ. This is his year, clearly Praying that he does not get hurt. That's the only way that he would lose it. But, I mean, that offensive line is still hurting. He's still got sacked four times there. And Kirk Cousins putting up Kirk Cousins numbers, 27 of 39, 249 yards, two touchdowns, interception. But Alexander Madison, out of out of the backfield for Minnesota, 20 touches, out-touching Dalvin Cook. Don't know what to really think about that. But Alexander Madison, 20 touches for 112 yards, no touchdowns with Dalvin Cook with 17 65 and a touchdown. So that makes you think, but Adam Thielen going off. Nine receptions, 80 yards, and two touchdowns. But DK Metcalf looking like a true number one receiver in this league, adding two more touchdowns to his very nice season so far, as well as six receptions with 93 yards. The thing that just stands out to me the most is obviously Seattle's defense, giving up another 450 yards. I mean, this defense is giving up everything left and right. If you're going to keep Russ cooking there, you got to at least stop this team a couple times. Russ cannot continually keep winning these games at the buzzer like he did for this game through the game-running touchdown to DK Metcalf with about 15 seconds left in the game. Seattle cannot keep doing this. I mean, I know defensively they stood up Cam Newton at the end of the game against their Sunday night game against the Patriots, but still, Seattle's got a lot of lot of question marks defensively for me. I do not trust this team too too much and. In the NFC, outside of Russell Wilson and that offense, that defense does not counter counterpart them too well. It feels eerily similar 
to basically what Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay's done his whole career is have a very good offense with not being able to stop anyone and Russ really masking the real problems that Seattle has on that whole team. But nonetheless, Seattle is 5-0 and on top of their division. That division is going to get real tight real quick, and I cannot wait for more of these division matchups here. And the last game on my slate, Tennessee. Having Buffalo visiting, Tennessee walks away very easily with this win. Tennessee putting up 334 total yards. Right behind Tannehill's 21 of 28 for 195 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Derrick Henry only putting up 19 touches of the 57 yards, but two touchdowns. Josh Allen not looking quite like he has been this season. 26 of 41 with 263, two touchdowns, one interception, and sacked once. So this is a wake-up call for the Buffalo Bills. Tennessee was obviously very refreshed after the couple weeks that they have had off here, and they seem to be rolling just like they were prior to this break. So it's going to be really uh, really interesting to see how Buffalo bounces back with the new Monday night game at 5 p.m. Eastern. So not looking too much into this game. Looks like Tennessee was just had fresher legs in Buffalo, and I'm looking excited for their next game. The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea, with a rollicking song he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten, he wears a hooded sash, with a silver hat about his head, and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. Hello, and thank you for tossing on over to me. Steven has obviously already explained to you the difficult and challenging situations we're dealing with right now. I'm very technologically dumb, for lack of a better way to put it. So this is a little bit different this week. We're a little separated. He's talking five, six games on his end. I'm talking five, six games on my end. We're both doing our bets. We'll go back and forth because I'll edit that in together that way. It will be better next week, so hang on with us. It's... uh. It's just we're trying to get the hang of this as everybody else is as well. But I'm going to dive right into it. I'm going to talk about the game I want to talk about first because you're stuck with me right now. The Las Vegas Raiders. How about that this weekend? I've never in my life been so happy to lose money. Finally, for the first time since 2012, the Las Vegas Raiders in Derek Carr's first time ever have beat the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. To be honest, I don't think it's that much of a fluke. Yeah, I think the Chiefs have underachieved the last, I don't know, pretty much all season. Yeah, it's a little bit of a hangover. I think that with teams like this that are this good, you're going to see them simply be bored right now. This isn't a game that's going to really matter to them. They're going to get into postseason. They're probably going to win the AFC West. But I'm not rolling out the Raiders because, you know, uh, I'm high on life right now and I'm a little bit stupid that they like now that I've seen us beat them, my brain's like, we beat anybody. There's no one in the world that could beat this Raiders team. Here's the deal. Henry Ruggs, he 
has been banged up. After about the first half of week one against Carolina, which he had four catches, 60-plus yards, he he had a little bit of an ankle sprain. You know, guys like him, speed receivers, that's going to linger. It's not even done yet. I mean, you don't just get over an ankle injury. But when he's on the field, defenses are scared. There, it, There's a different feel to this Raiders offense. For the first time in a long time, the Raiders have a deep threat. I mean, even back when you had a Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree, Seth Roberts, there really wasn't that deep threat. Amari Cooper's a very, very, very good receiver. Top 10, top 15, right in there. But he doesn't really have that over-the-top, take-the-top-off-a-defense of speed that you get to see like guys like Henry Ruggs do. So I think when he's on the field, I mean, I was skeptical when they initially brought him in. It was the, hey, we're trying to match the Chiefs' offensive style. We're trying to bring in our own Tyreek Hill. And I was like, dude, there's not just Tyreek Hill's growing on trees. Henry Ruggs is a very similar player, and I never expected it to be like this. Yeah, he had two catches, 118 yards, and a touchdown. It doesn't like jump off the page at you, guys that have two catches. What it doesn't show you is that there are guys that affect everyone else. When Henry Ruggs is on the field, guys like Hunter Renfro, guys like Darren Waller, J- Jacobs underneath. It's a different feel. This offense has a different feel when Henry Ruggs is healthy. And by the way, I'm going to turn it over for a second. Derek Carr haters out there, you can go to hell. Because this right here, this is what Derek Carr's been. People want him to throw it downfield all the time. You don't have options when you cannot throw it downfield and you don't have guys. If he's throwing it downfield and it's getting picked off, what are we doing? We're assassinating him for that. I'm tired. I'm tired as a Raiders fan. I can't imagine how Derek Carr feels. I'd be pissed. I wouldn't be able to do it anymore. I I, I mean, he, he, he's got to do the LeBron. I want my respect. And he should get it. They'll figure it out. The car haters will figure it out. This Raiders team right here is a playoff team. They're playing the Bucs after their bye week. Going into last week, you guys heard me say, bet a calm on the Raiders. Guess what I did? Best calm I've ever lost. But I thought that this was a Raiders team that was about to tailspin. I'm like, oh man, I've seen this movie way too many times before. They're going to come out, go 2-0. and And in, in their defense, have a gauntlet of a schedule. Go to New England, lose that. Come back home, play Buffalo. Who's It's got the best Buffalo team probably since their four Super Bowl runs. You lose to them. You, you, you follow that up with going to Arrowhead. Oh, I booked that mark as a loss. That was an easy loss on my end. I, I won't even hide it. That was a loss. Then after the bye week, Tampa Bay rolls in. Yeah, I know Tampa Bay hasn't looked great. I know Tom Brady's not what he used to be. But I ruled that as a loss before this week. Now all of a sudden, guess what? I'm back in. I'm very back in. The Raiders offensive line hasn't played nearly as well as they need to have so far. And they're still outstanding. Josh Jacobs, arguably one of the best, if not the best. I, I, I know I'm a homer here. He's one of the best, if not the best running back in the league. Yeah, I, I get it. Nick Chubb's outstanding. Ezekiel Elliott, outstanding. There's guys left and right. There's probably four or five guys that you can argue ahead of him. I'm not going to. But I'm just saying, if you watch Josh Jacobs, he's a special talent. This Raiders team is different when you have Josh Jacobs healthy, when you have Henry Ruggs healthy. Got to also tip the cap to Paul Gunther. I was ready to have him fired last week. Hands up. Still, I'm still kind of like, eh, I've got my eye on you. 
I mean, you gave up 32, uh, 32 points, but you give up 32 points at the Chiefs. It feels like you gave up 14 against somebody else. So I will be patient. I will give them a chance, give them the benefit of the doubt. Coming off of a bye week, the expectation now, it needs to be. You go back to that Death Star, you cannot lose to that Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. They don't look like what we expected them, or at least not what I expected them to. And I think you got to win. Keep an eye on it. Uh, I, I'm going to pick the Raiders to win that game. So that's two weeks out. Be prepared. I've talked a lot about the Raiders. I probably should, unfortunately, switch, go somewhere else. So I will switch. Let's go to a really boring game, just so it can kind of elevate how awesome the Raiders talk was a minute ago. The Arizona Cardinals beat the Jets by 20 at MetLife. Feels like this is getting old. <laughs> I was also wrong. Another thing, hands up. I thought that Adam Gase was going to be fired before Le'Veon Bell touched the field again. Le'Veon Bell was back. And he's back in a big way, man. He's out there sub-tweet or sub-liking tweets. And Adam Gase, apparently, new age coaches, they know that that's happening. He came out today and goes, well, I just kind of wish that Le'Veon Bell would talk to me instead of sub-liking me on Twitter. And maybe we'll see if we can get him the ball more. Well, here you go, Adam Gase. Here's the thing. Le'Veon Bell will be a Jet long after you're fired. And you will be fired soon. You've lost the locker room. I don't know how you still have a job to begin with. You pushed Jamal Adams out of New York. You're ruining a very promising young quarterback in Sam Darnold. What do they have the reason to keep you? And then on top of that, today, you have him come out and say, hey, you know what? I think I would consider relinquishing my play calling ability or play calling. Well, here's the funny thing about that. You you tell everybody you're like trademark is you're an offensive genius and you're giving up your play calling. You already suck as a, a locker room head coach. If you're giving up your play calling, why do they keep you? You're supposed to be this guru and you're own five and you're abandoning your own ship. I think he knows the writing's on the wall and he needs to change something. But what do they have to play for? It's not like Dan Quinn and poor Dan Quinn. I know uh, Steven's talking about that Falcons game. So I won't be able to get too much into the whole uh, Dan Quinn getting fired. But like good guys like him, the team still wanted him to win. They felt bad for him and they loved him. They loved that guy. And Dan Quinn, he'll get another job. I don't know if it's a head coach job, but he'll get another job. Adam Gase, who's going to hire him? Why would you hire him after all of this? There's nothing there. There's no appeal. i disgusted looking at the Jets. I mean, right now, I think they're easily the worst team in the NFL. And they're in a city with another very, very bad team. But the Jets, if they're a top two pick, I mean, I I think Sam Darnold has at least the capability of being an average starting quarterback. Do they abandon ship? And do they go with one of these quarterbacks? I think you have to. I think you have to. If you're trying to restart this culture, which desperately needs to be restarted, you got to switch it up. You have to switch it up. Adam Gase, I think he's going to be fired. By the time maybe this comes out on Wednesday morning, and I'm recording my segment here on Monday evening, Steven will probably record his tomorrow night on Tuesday, so he'll give you the Tuesday night football. But I think by the time that this comes out on Wednesday morning, Adam Gase might be out of a job. So you can probably just fast forward and ignore me. I'm a loser. But I'll segue. Let's go over, and I'm saving a couple uh, a couple games here that I really wanted to talk about at the end because I think it'll be a perfect 
talking point about what's coming up this upcoming weekend. I'll save those. So I'm going to talk about the Rams now. Beat up on Washington. Again, 30-10. to Little bit of a running trend there between the two. How vindicated I feel as a Dwayne Haskins fan after watching this game. Because first of all, the Rams defense, it's all right. But they gave up 74 passing yards to Kyle Allen before he got dinged up and it got taken out on 19 or 13 attempts. Alex Smith comes in. Who? Alex Smith. I'm so happy he's back. I'm so happy he's healthy. He seems like a great guy. And he's just one of those guys who's been a solid quarterback for so long. It'll be weird when he's out of the league. He went 9 of 17 for 37 yards with a 2.2 yards per attempt average or per completion. He was sacked six times. Again, it feels good to actually honestly see him get sacked and be healthy. So that was awesome. That's great. That all said, once you consider in the 41 sack yards these guys have, they threw for 70 yards. Without the sack yards, that's 111 or 111 yards. But you're going to tell me Dwayne Haskins deserved to be benched after last week 300 plus against Baltimore? Yeah, he checked it down. What do you want this guy to do? There is no one to throw to. There is no one to throw to on this team. Terry McLaurin is my guy. But in the NFL, you can take away one receiver if you have nothing else. And they're taking away Terry McLaurin, who's still putting up stats. Good for him. Dwayne Haskins is going to be moved. You don't make him the third quarterback on the depth chart and not move him. I forgot. I teased it last week, so I have to bring it up this week. The perfect landing spot for Dwayne Haskins is the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'll credit Andrew Filipponi. Uh, I disagree with a lot of things he says, but I'll give him credit. He said, hey, why not call Washington and offer a fifth-round pick for Big Ben? Andrew Filipponi, big uh, Pittsburgh sports uh, personality for 93.7 The Fan, people that are not from Pittsburgh. Good Twitter follow. The guy's a little ridiculous, but I, I really enjoy him, actually. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great move. Dwayne Haskins is built very similar to Big Ben. He's going to be a very similar style quarterback. He's got a big arm. If you can protect him, and if you have wide receivers, you have the talent, why not? Big Ben's on his tail end of his career, but let Dwayne Haskins sit behind him and learn. Mason Rudolph, Duck Hodges on your practice squad? You're really going to tell me those two guys are the future? No. A fifth-round pick for a guy like Dwayne Haskins? I mean, hell, if it's a fourth-round pick, why not make that move? Give this guy a chance. And if you're the Steelers, that's fine. You can take him and not attach your entire franchise to him. You can give up a fourth-round pick, a fifth-round pick. Get this guy. And what happens? You get to be fired up. Hey, you know what? We have we have a guy now. We have a guy that has at least the upside. If you don't like it, draft another one. Have him compete. You remember when RG3 and Kirk Cousins were drafted in the same class? It can happen. Why not? I don't see any reason not to believe that in that culture, and love them or hate them, the Steelers have a great interior culture. You bring in a guy like that, I think he can do really well. I think he'd do great things for him. Now, talking about the Rams real quick, just real quick. I, I think that they are all of a sudden, I mean, they, they have a chance. They have a chance to realistically be a threat in the NFC West. I don't think they'll catch Seattle. Seattle's an outstanding team. 
And yeah, even though they lose or win sloppy games, kind of like they did on Sunday Night Football, they win those games. And that's what happens when you have an elite quarterback. The Rams don't have that, but they certainly have enough to get to the wild card. I think they, they can, I think they can do it. I don't think they'll go far, but I definitely think they can do it. But that's enough talking about that game. That was a, a miserable game to watch. Honestly, might have been the worst all weekend. It's right next to these last three I'm talking about are all snoozers. But on the four o'clock slate, you had the banged up and just just depleted San Francisco 49ers get dog walked at home to the Ryan Fitzpatrick led Dolphins. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 22 of 28, 350 yards and three touchdowns. What? Yeah, pretty good, huh? And at what point, if you're Kyle Shanahan, who I am notoriously, I attached my ship to, I he's my guy. He might be my favorite head coach in the entire NFL. I think you're going to hear that name for the next 30 years. But I, I think it's time to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. And CJ Bethard is not it. I Why not go back to Nick Mullins? Did I miss something? Is Nick Mullins... Like, what's the reason for him not being the guy to come in in this last week? I I just don't understand what, what's going on. So Nick Mullins, who's done admirably in, in his, what, three games this year? Yeah, he lost to Philadelphia last week. Philadelphia is a lot better than their record says. As much as I hate that scumbag city, they they have a decent football team. It it should not have happened. The fact that he fell for one performance after what we've seen with him stunned me. I think it stuns a lot of people, especially 49er fans. And honestly, I think they deserve it. The Dolphins, on the other hand, this I think is a weird way. In a weird way, you kind of hated to see this game because I think it bought Ryan Fitzpatrick another few weeks starting. I think you're stuck without Tua for another at least two, three weeks. Maybe see a bye week first, then come around. Maybe, maybe, if he's doing poorly. This is why Brian Flores, by the way, is one of the best coaches in the NFL. He's doing it again. He's winning with very mediocre talent around him. And I think the real question is, could the Dolphins make the playoffs? Personally, no. Uh, I don't think they will. But they certainly could. They have a relatively favorable schedule, but it, 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 it's just slightly off. You have Tua Tagovailoa starting this season. Maybe you do get it. I just don't think you got it there. Dolphins will fall short, but gosh, if I'm a Miami fan, I would be fired up for the future. Tua is that future. Tua is that franchise going forward, and I believe he's the real deal. I really, really like them. Before last year, I didn't even consider to be a quarterback I would take before him, but instead, Joey Burrow is the absolute man. Love that guy. But Steven, I'll talk about Joey Burrow. I I think the dude is an absolute animal. I want to talk about him, but I have to be fair to Steven. I'll let him do his thing. He probably already talked about it. And if he said a bad word about him, I will fight him off, off air. Don't worry about it. But we will move on to one of the two games I really want to discuss. The Cleveland Browns. They had the showcase game this last week. Four o'clock at home, prime time. People are watching. 
The three and one Browns, three and one Colts. Yeah, Darius Leonard's out. That sucks. It doesn't feel like a real Colts defense without without him there. But this Browns team, even without Wyatt Teller for much of the game, and unfortunately he will be out for the Steelers, would have been nice to see that matchup because that is an outstanding matchup. That's a great defense. That's a very great, very good offensive line. But that offensive line, that Browns team had their way with the Colts. Final score is 32-23. It wasn't that close. Anybody who watched that game would know it's not that close. I mean, the Browns are up 17 or 27 to 10 in the third quarter. Gave up a kickoff return. But otherwise, they gave up six points in the second half. Not only is the Browns offense good, defense is starting to show up. Miles Garrett's starting to get those stats. Because he's always been good, whether you want to believe it or not. He's just finally getting the stats. You need that help around you. It's very similar to skill position players on the offensive side of the ball. When there's no one else around you, more attention is given to you. Your stats go down. Miles Garrett's stats went down. It's not his fault. Now, guess what? There's a little bit of talent there. Browns are scoring points. Offenses have to start throwing a lot more against the Browns. And you get to see that guy. You get to see that pass rusher wreak havoc. Wreak havoc on tackles. Keep your eye on him this next week, especially with that storyline going in there with the the, the Steelers and, and Browns after what happened before. But this Browns team beat a very, very capable and a, a good Colts team. I don't think they're very good. I think their record's misleading. But this is a game they would have lost in years past. For sure would have lost in years past. They moved to 3-0 at home. Baker had a couple very bad throws in the second half. I won't defend him. I love Baker Mayfield. I I think he's much better than the average person thinks he is. But man, you take away those couple throws. I mean, he's doing what he's asked to do. He's been protecting the ball. Yeah, he threw two picks. Blah, 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 blah. I get it. I'm speaking on the whole. And overall, he's been protecting it. That offensive identity Kevin Stefanski has instilled in this team, it's scary. This Browns team can shorten games with running game. They're very similar in makeup to the the Vegas Raiders. Good offensive line, control the line of scrimmage, run the ball, shorten games, and let your quarterback throw to a back four. That's typically at least looking into the box, looking to see if there's going to be a run. You have better opportunities there, and the Browns have capitalized. It'll be a really fun matchup. They have a few good weeks here in a row uh, of good matchups. We'll, we'll break down that Brown-Steelers game here in a little bit. But I think this Browns team's a playoff team. I think they're, they're a 10-win team. I could see them as a high point as a, even 11. Which, man, that AFC West and AFC North, they're without a doubt the two best divisions in football right now. And what is there to make me believe that that's not going to continue? But I've talked enough about the Browns. We'll move it on over. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the filth Adelphia Eagles. The Battle of Pennsylvania. I'm not a Steelers fan. I never try to hide and pretend that I'm not a Steelers fan. (laughs) That said, I get so up for what this game when these two teams play. It feels just like 
I don't want Philly to ever feel like they have something better than Pittsburgh, the greatest city on earth. And when they walk in, they fall behind 31-14. I was fist-pumping as if the Steelers were my own boys. Eagles start coming back. Started getting a little nervous. Minka Fitzpatrick, we were used to seeing him play better than he did. Defense was not there for the Steelers on Sunday. Don't panic. It's one game. That defense is still the best in the NFL. Big Ben looks like Big Ben. And man, I got to give the Steelers credit. We say it all the time. You know how when New England drafts a player that is either falling or they'll trade for someone and they'll get a late round pick for, or they'll give up a late round pick and it's, wow, this guy's going to be the greatest player of all time. That's kind of what we do. We all just assume things are going to work out for them. That's kind of how we have to feel about this uh, Pittsburgh Steelers team when it comes to wide receivers. They can basically just draft anybody they want in the third or fourth, fifth, sixth round, and the guys turn out to be great. Chase Claypool, I just shit on this pick. Was not afraid. I hated it. Was nowhere near as good as I thought he would be. They took him in the top 50. I think they took him at 48 or 49. I think it was 49, actually, come to think of it. Out of Notre Dame. Yeah, he's got the super big build. Everybody around here, my buddies are all like, oh, man, he's Megatron. I'm like, shut up, dude. You're an idiot. He's not that good. Guy looks pretty good. Guy looks pretty good. Maybe I'm the idiot. He's from Canada. I should have known that he was going to be the greatest player on earth. Best country in the world. Might as well have the best wide receiver out there, too. Not going to overly get excited about one game for him. But, man, it's something to look keep your eye on. Do they bring back Juju if they think Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson are going to be guys that you can move forward with? I don't know. I really don't. I think a lot of it will be what Big Ben wants. I I, I mean, he's obviously found a guy he, he very much enjoys throwing the ball to right now. I mean, five weeks in, I know the stats aren't that sexy beyond this last week. 13 catches, 261 yards, four receiving touchdowns. But man, this one game makes you really feel like there's a chance this kid, this kid's for real. This kid might be for real. Then they have this upcoming weekend. Honestly, it's it's one of the biggest games of the year so far, which is crazy to say. Never thought, thought we'd be uh, back where these heated rivalry of the Browns and Steelers. And Steelers fans, you can say that you don't hate the Browns, that it's not a rivalry. Yeah, they haven't really been much of a rival the last 20 years. But you guys better be ready because they're going to be very intense games. You're going to start hating that team again very quickly. I'll turn it on over now, finally. Since I did my six games, I, I you know what? I'll, I'll be I'll be the good guy real quick. I'll, I'll talk about uh, another division rival of the Raiders. Talk about the Los Angeles Chargers going to New Orleans and talk about the, that Saints team. As it sits right now, it's 20-13 to 13 Chargers. End of the third. Saints are coming back a little bit a lot due to the Chargers' lackluster play at the end of the half. You're up 20-3. to You've dominated the entire game. Don't sit back and be patient. I don't get it. It's like going on prevent on defense. All you're doing is inhibiting your chance to win the game. Do not let that Saints team in. Yeah, Drew Brees might be a little bit over the hill. You don't want to let a quarterback like that get back into a game. I don't care. It's a, That football IQ keeps people around. It's why guys like Peyton Manning could still win a Super Bowl when he couldn't throw the ball 15 yards downfield. Those guys are smart. They have a high football IQ. Do not let them linger. I doubt we'll go back into, or I'm going to still be on this 
uh, by the time this game ends. But either way, Justin Herbert, that guy's the truth. That guy is good. And I hate to say it because all of a sudden you're looking at an AFC West with what I believe is four good quarterbacks. I mean, right now he's 11-19, 122, and that'll go up. Three touchdowns, no picks. It's a team that could be a very tough out for anyone. I doubt they make the playoffs. I know I said out. I don't think they make it. I think you're going to get three out of the AFC North, which is really going to (laughs) make it tough for anybody else to get in. You're going to have, I believe, the Raiders getting in. I think the AFC South only gets one. I think the AFC East only gets one. We'll see, though. We'll see. This Chargers team, they can really, they can be the team that in week 15, week 16, someone's in the hunt and they ruin their season for no reason other than they could because they can. Next year, when this defense is back, when this defense has the best safety in the NFL back, I mean, it, it, it just feels like a team that could be a legitimate threat to at least make the wild card. I don't want to say win the AFC West because we're kind of at the point where the Chiefs are broken and they ruin things for everybody. And I'm going to probably pick them to win the division until Patrick Mahomes is dead. So like 20 years from now. But yeah, keep your eye on the Chargers. I think they're going to win this game. I'll eat crow if they don't. But I think I'm going to pick them to win. And now, the reason you guys really listen to us outside of maybe being our friends and you just feel like you're obligated to. Maybe this will be the week you guys finally take our bets. I'm talking to you, Toddis, and Mike Cozy, and Seamus, and Anthony Stefanik. You guys always just talk about bets in our group chat. I just never seem to take any of my bets from the show. I'm a little bit better than Splee, maybe. Yeah, I'll go there, kids. And you guys can text me about that if we have any problems. But my games for the week. Now, granted, this is uh, we are doing this Tuesday. So the lines are not going to be looking this same. Maybe when you hear them or a little bit down the road if you guys waited last second to put these bets in. But for right now, kind of bear with me. This is where I'm going. First game that's sticking out to me, Chicago at Carolina. I know I was saying how real Carolina is, but unfortunately, as real as Teddy Bridgewater is for Carolina, that Bears defense is extremely real. They came to play this year. It's hard to pick against this defense as much as I hate them, but you got to respect them. I'm going to go with Chicago plus two and a half. In Charlotte against the Panthers, that's a field goal game written all over. If that if that line moves up even a little bit to the plus three or plus three and a half, absolutely take that all day. I always vouch for it. If you're going to get plus three on the road in the NFL, you got to take that all day as well as a plus seven. If it's a full, full possession, you got to take it all day. Next one for my boys in Cleveland. Cleveland at Pittsburgh. Right now, the line is set at Cleveland plus three and a half for me, and I am taking that. What did I just say? This time, it's a division opponent on the road, plus three and a half. Cleveland's been playing great. They finally look like a real team. Pittsburgh Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh. They'll always play down to their opponent's level. I don't see much of that changing in this game, and it's going to be fun. Miles Garrett. Getting after Big Ben. We've been waiting to see this one all year. Let's see if he runs to the sideline, gives Mason Rudolph a nice handshake with his helmet again. But we'll see. Next one, Detroit at Jacksonville. Detroit's right now minus three favorite at Jacksonville. This game is fun. I think that this game is finally the one that gets Detroit 
another win on the season here. I would I would also tamper with the over here a little bit. I believe it was set at 54. I think that you should quote me on that, but for some reason I'm not too sure. So let me get this pulled up here for you guys. And in fact, it is at 54 and a half. So I would always I would tamper with that if it changes here through the week. But right now, Dallas or Detroit minus three. I think Matt Stafford's going to light up that Jacksonville Jaguars defense, even though I'm a little bit higher on them than a lot of other people. They do cause some turnovers. But at the end of the day, Detroit's usually playing with Matt Stafford turnovers or turnovers from the offense in general. So it's nothing new for them. Next game, Baltimore at Philadelphia. Right now, the line is Baltimore minus eight. And I'm going to even take that right now. I mean, if Baltimore sacked Joey Burrow seven times, imagine what they're going to do to Carson Wentz, who got sacked eight times in the first week. He's been heavily sacked throughout this season, it feels like. So I don't see any difference going against Baltimore. It's gonna that's gonna be a fun game to watch. If that line moves down anymore, obviously I'd wait a, I'd wait a day or two. But right now I'm even comfortable taking the minus eight for Baltimore. They're they're on a little bit of a roll here, so I'm very interested in that. Next game: Los Angeles Rams at the San Francisco 49ers. Right now my book's got the Rams minus three and a half, and I'm taking that comfortably. San Fran just got spanked. Absolutely spanked against the Miami Dolphins. I don't know how that happens. Miami hung up 40-plus on you. That's embarrassing. That defense is clearly not the defense that we're used to with with those injuries that happen. So how am I going to have confidence in picking in picking the 49ers right now? The Rams are rolling offensively right now. Defensively, they're not looking too bad either. So you have to keep an eye out for that, especially because the Rams are the fourth best defense in the league right now. So that one's going to be fun to watch. But I'm going to go Rams minus three all day on that. Then we're going to go down to my Green Bay Packers visiting TB and the TB Buccaneers. Tampa Bay, I have them right now at plus two, and I'm going to take them plus two. Right now, Green Bay's defense really isn't looking that good on the pass passing side. Shari Alexander is an absolute stud. But what about the other weapons that Tampa Bay is going to have that I think is going to cause some mis- mismatch problems here for Green Bay secondary? I expect Kevin King to be all over Mike Evans all game strictly because of the length. We'll see if Chris Godwin is a go this week. That's who Jari will be on. If not him, maybe Scotty Miller. But this could be the game that Gronk breaks out, and I'm very nervous. I'm taking Tampa Bay plus two right now, as well as the over on this game. I feel like Aaron Jones is going to be completely taken out of the equation running game-wise for this game. With Tampa Bay, with stifling run defense, they're the the second-best run defense in the league, and they quietly had top 13 best run defenses in NFL history last year, and they seem to be on on that same pace and possibly better. So Aaron Jones' rushing game is going to be completely gone, I feel like. So Tampa Bay plus two, that over 54, it's going to be a shootout between the two old wiry veterans. So that's going to be a good one. And then last but not least, the Monday night game. How this isn't getting flexed out for the Green Bay-Tampa Bay game is way beyond me. But Arizona at Dallas, like I said, I'm interested to see how the Red Rifle is going to do. Arguably the most weapons that he's ever had in his whole career. And they have a ton, ton of talent for that receiving core. As well as you get to hand the ball off to Zeke about 20 to 25, possibly 30 times a game. So that's going to help you a lot. I'm going to go with Dallas plus two and a half with the visiting Arizona Cardinals. Arizona hasn't really done anything these past couple weeks. 
that have knocked my boots off. I'm going to go with Dallas as the underdog here. I know I took a lot of underdogs this week. Now, granted, like I said, it is Tuesday, so it's going to be a little bit harder to dictate what these are going to be, maybe on a Thursday or Friday, possibly a Saturday, early Sunday morning. So take that into consideration. But those are my bets here. We're going to toss it over here to Wally to see what he's thinking on the bets on his side. So, Wally, what do you got for me, my man? Well, we'll get to our bets now. This week, easy enough. I'm not doing anything crazy. Uh, No commas this week. With tomorrow night's game, you'll get to hear this probably uh, after the fact. I I think. I said last week I thought the Titans were going to win. But with everything going on, I think I'm going to switch it. I think the Bills will win. I think they'll cover the minus three and a half. At least it's three and a half right now. Again, Monday night, 1034. But we'll go beyond that. The Falcons are plus three and a half going to Minnesota. I think the Falcons win, and I think the Falcons cover. Obviously, they'd cover because they're plus three and a half. Well, you're an idiot. I'll keep that in for you guys. You get to hear my brain implode on itself. But yeah, I think the Falcons are going to win. This is one of those games where you get a new head coach. It sparks life into an organization. And on top of that, man, the Vikings, yeah, they're one and four. They've been competitive a few times, but they just find ways to lose, don't they? Get Julio back, get him healthy. I think this Falcons team can at least turn around and look somewhat respectable, win five, six games throughout the year. The Ravens are seven and a half point favorites on the road at Philadelphia. I think the Ravens win. I think the Eagles cover. Feels like the Eagles are starting to figure things out a little bit on offense. They're looking a little better. Yeah, the Eagles defense isn't great. I know. And the funny thing is, is there's money coming in on the Ravens right now. It's currently minus 115 versus minus 105 for the Eagles. It's just in the NFL, for a team that's as capable as the Philadelphia Eagles are, I think that the Ravens win. But I just think they keep it close. I think it's a game all the way to the end. I don't even think it's a backdoor cover situation. I think it's one of those where Baltimore's going to have to really just emphatically end the game at the end, either run it out or keep Philadelphia out of their end zone to win. And I hate to say it, with the DAC injury, and I know that Steven's harping on that, I'm sure either before or after this, that was ugly. Man, that sucked. I guess I won't even I won't even hide it. The worst part for me, no, not the worst part, because I obviously you want to see guys like Dak get healthy. The worst part, seeing him in tears going off the field. If anything, it makes you like him more. Knowing that you actually have a guy that loves the game, loves his his boys, loves to be out there competing. But another element that really sucks is I really think the Eagles are favorites now. I love Red Rocket and Andy Dalton. I think that he finally has another shot. Last time he had any weapons on offense, the Bengals were 8-0 until the Steelers broke his hand. And that was the year of the, the Vontez perfect where the Steelers and Bengals, I think, were both better than the Denver Broncos. The year the Broncos won the World, or World Series. Wow, it's definitely October, huh? But when they won the Super Bowl against Carolina, and they just basically went into a dual suicide mission against each other to get everyone hurt and suspended for the rest of the game. Wasn't good, but I think that at least Andy Dalton could be serviceable there. At the same time, though, this Eagles team, it just feels it just feels like this is playing up for them to be a 6-9-1 winner, winning division, as Dallas is 6-10. I hope I'm wrong. I really do hope I'm wrong. I just hate it. 
I'll move on. I don't want to say anything else nice about the the, the Eagles here. Bears are plus two and a half, uh, going to Carolina. Carolina's two and a half point favorites. I got to be honest. I think Carolina wins and covers. I'm starting to think they're for real. Bridgewater takes care of the ball. Defense isn't anything special. But, man, you want to talk about an offensive identity. I know I do it all the time with the Browns. Carolina has one, too. They don't need CMC right now. They'll be better when he's back. But, I mean, man, this this Panthers team, until I see them fall off a little, they, they look like they can make some very good teams uncomfortable. Panthers win, they cover. Bengals are plus eight on the road at Indianapolis. I was really emphatic that the Bengals would cover against Baltimore this last week. I thought Burrow would have a better game. Without a doubt, the worst in his young career. Guy's still the man. Guy's still the future. Guy's the truth. I stand by what I said last week. I don't bet against guys I believe to be elite quarterbacks or near elite quarterbacks. Yeah, Burrow's not there quite yet, but I'm not betting against him. Eight points, that's a lot of points in the NFL. I think the Colts win. I do think the Bengals are going to make this much closer, though. I this this has that feeling to me of like a 31-24. Barely cover, I guess, in my in my head where I just force myself to do it. But at the end of the day, I think the Bengals cover Colts win. I'm skipping the Browns and Steelers. I'm saving it to the end. I, I really have to think about that one. That's going to be a lot of fun. I have friends on both sides that are going to fight me if I pick against them. Lions traveling to Jacksonville. The Lions are minus three. What am I missing? What am I? Am I on crazy pills? Apparently, the rest of the world, at least here in Pittsburgh, agrees with me. As it sits right here Monday night, the Lions are minus one thirty at minus three. The Jaguars are plus three at one, plus one ten. You don't see that in the NFL much. I just don't know what I'm, I'm missing. The Jaguars are imploding. They're not good in any way. Yeah, the Lions suck, and I mean suck. But man, the Jaguars are worse. I really don't know what else to say about this game. I think Stafford gets it done. I think they win. I just I just will not pick. I really don't think I can pick Jacksonville like at all this year. I mean, the Lions going to have to be stupid for it to happen. So Lions win minus three, and they cover. Washington going to MetLife to play the New York Giants. They're plus three. I think the, the I almost said the R words, the Washington football team wins outright. So, yes, they cover. They went out right. I, it, it's just amazing to me to see anybody give the Giants the favorite against anybody. I know Washington sucks. I know that I'm really low now on the quarterback situation because they're going to try to move Haskins. But I think, man, Washington, they win and they cover. Obviously. Again, Wally, you're an idiot. It's it, just an ugly game. Something like a 20 to... It's going to be like a it's going to be a Chris Berman Schwami score. It's going to be something like 20 to 19, something just stupid like the two teams playing in it. Washington wins and covers. Jets play against the Dolphins, Dolphins minus 8. It's kind of the same thing I was just saying with the uh, the Giants, it's the same with the Jets. They suck. I don't think that they're worth anything unless Gase is fired before this game, maybe you get a little spark from there. If that's the case, I would at least think about holding off but I'm a degenerate, and I'm going to bet every game. So as of right now, I'm taking the Dolphins minus eight winning. I just, I, I'm high on Brian Flores, less so on Fitzpatrick. But I think Fitzpatrick's more than capable of winning this game. As I sit here, Jared Cook just caught a 50-yard touchdown pass. Lost Fantasy League, and I'm going to lose my pick I just said about two minutes ago. I'm a clown. 
We'll move on. Green Bay traveling to Tampa. They're one and a half point favorites. I think the Packers went out right. I think that they cover the one and a half. This feels like a very different Packers team. This feels like a Aaron Rodgers revenge tour season. Except unlike the Michigan Wolverines, their revenge tour actually works out. And they actually win the games. Tampa Bay, yeah, they're coming off of a effectively what is a, a kind of like a bye week. They had the Thursday night game against the Bears, which they should have won. But they suck. They imploded. They suck. And it's okay. Tom Brady doesn't look like Tom Brady as much anymore. Offense is still a little lackluster. Defense is still going to struggle against the, the air raid. Yeah, they have a good running defense. I'm just not very high on this Tampa Bay team. I really... Here's here's my hot take. I didn't say it earlier and I should have. Who do I want to go there? I don't know. This is me thinking out loud for you guys. I think Carolina might be the favorite in the NFC South. It's not the Saints. I don't know how it could be Tampa Bay right now. Teddy Bridgewater is just solid. He, he's responsible with the ball. They very easily could be 4-1. and one. They can be, uh, convert a fourth down in inches against the Raiders in week one. They're probably 4-1. and one. Didn't get it in the Raiders one. <laughs> um, whatever, though. But yeah, Packers win cover. Rams going to San Francisco. It's just a really weird game. Rams are minus 3.5. The 49ers are absolutely imploding. They're a dumpster fire. I don't want to bet it. If I would, I would take the Rams to cover and win. I just I think that the 49ers desperately miss their studs on defense. They're figuring out without a defense, you you literally cannot win with Jimmy Garoppolo in that quarterback situation in San Francisco right now. I think the Rams win in cover. I, I that's the that's the grossest game of the week. I wouldn't touch that if I if I had a reasonable bone in my body, but I don't, so I'm taking Rams minus three and a half. Last one. Monday night football next week. You have the Cardinals visiting the Dallas Cowboys. The Cardinals are minus two and a half. The Cowboys are plus two and a half at home. I wanted to pick Red Rifle in this game. Prove he still has it. The problem is, is that Cowboys defense is an abomination. And I think Kyler Murray is going to absolutely torch it. I think he's going to end up, if you can find a prop bet out there, because you should get pretty good odds on it. I think Kyler Murray ends up with over 400 yards. Total offense, running, passing, all the way about it. He was he had to have had it this weekend. Probably should have been more prepared, but he had 300 yards passing this, or 380 yards passing this week. So I assume he got it. If he didn't, you can you guys can uh, give, give me a hard time. I, I definitely deserve it at that point. But I think the Cardinals win. I think they win, honestly, kind of big. I, I, I feel like this is a 10-14 kind of point win. It's gross. It's a gross game. But I saved the best. Oh, I, I almost forgot. I saved the best for last. In the game of the week, the Cleveland Browns travel to Heinz Field to face the Pittsburgh Steelers. Man, this is a great game. The Steelers are minus three and a half at home. I think they win in cover. I think the Steelers win in cover. I might change my mind seven times before kickoff at one o'clock on Sunday. And by the way, this is a joke too. I mean, we get to watch the Giants and the, the Cowboys play on Sunday night football or the Cowboys in the Redskins. Oh, Washington R-Words. The, they, the, the NFC East is on Sunday night football like 19 times in a 16-week season. 
how does a game like this not get scheduled? Or at least they need to get better about flexing earlier in the year. Like, I think everybody in the country would love to watch this Brown Steelers game. Instead, you're going to have someone out there get stuck with, like, the Bears-Panthers or the Ravens-Eagles at 1 o'clock. Those, those poor people. But the Steelers win. They cover. I think that they're going to be, and maybe this game's different with Nick Chubb, but I think they're going to be able to at least contain the run game without Wyatt Teller and without Nick Chubb in the game. I think that the Steelers are able to put up enough points against that defense. Brown's defense has been a little suspect. I know that I was talking about how they looked pretty good this last week, and they have. I'm just not very high in the Colts offense, so I think that's part of the do with it. I, I just think Big Ben, man. I, I He has the city's number. He has the Browns number. I think it stays. Fun fact, I'm sure some of you guys, if not everyone's already heard, Baker Mayfield finally passed Big Ben as the leader of most wins at First Energy Stadium in Cleveland's history. That's one of those just brutal stats I can't ever hear without shaking my head. Ah, Steelers win. They cover. Sorry to the friends in Cleveland that hate me now. You're welcome to the friends in Pittsburgh that probably like me now. I'll probably change my mind and text you that individually over this next week. With that said, we appreciate you guys listening once again to the Loss of Down episode six. This is, we have on, well, you can hear us anywhere, Audition, Spotify, Apple Music. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of those. Anytime you guys have any feedback, any constructive criticism, anything, we'd love to hear it. Reach out to Steven or I personally. You can find us both on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, any of those there. We appreciate you guys. You're the absolute best. And go out and enjoy a little bit of of fun this week in the games. Raiders bye week. I'll be in Vegas. We will be back next week, and it will be back to normal. We should have everything figured out by then. So bear with us. We will have everything at least working somewhat good and you'll hear us two clowns arguing back and forth as usual have a great weekend everybody we'll see you next week